tonight we have a very special guest, and it's someone that I call a dear friend. You guys love him. Um, someone who I've come to believe and know is uh, love him like a brother. And he's become a dear friend to this community, uh, not only with the men's ministry, but now on the air daily at radio broadcast. Would you please welcome uh, Senior Pastor of Calvary Montebello, Pancho Juarez. What's happening? How are you? Man, oh, they're rocking, man. I wish I had my congas here, man, in the name of Jesus. Ah, let's pray and let's ask the Lord to bless. Our... I know some of you are weird right now. I know. I can see by the look in your eyes. You're distraught. Sure, we're worshiping, but inside your heart, there's some things still in here. There's a little vapor coming out of the flesh, and there's some worries. Some of us are waiting for lab reports. Some of us are waiting for HMOs to respond. <laughs> so we were hope that our doctor gets back from vacation so he can see us. Uh, perhaps we're praying for our daughters. We're praying for our marriages. We're praying for our grandchildren. We're praying for President Bush. Lord Jesus, he needs some prayer. <laughs> and so uh, we're here this Saturday night. I don't know where you're at. I know where I'm at. I need Jesus. I need the Lord. So, I I, I don't know where you're at. But I do know one thing. Jesus told me that any time that I'm flustered, frustrated, or just content, either way, He says, come to the throne of mercy with boldness and confidence and lay your petition down. What does that mean? Let's leave our burdens. Let's come to the house of God. Take that burden off of you right now. Whatever it is, whatever is in your head. You may look good on the outside, but inside you're sweating it. Come and you're in the house of God. We're protected. The Holy Spirit is here. God is blessing us because we invoke the name of Jesus. We sang about Jesus. We're going to pray right now in Jesus' name. And He's going to talk to all of us. This is the word of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this evening. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would just descend upon this place. That you may cascade your Holy Spirit upon each and every one of us. For you are no respecter of person. Father, for those that have it together outside, but they're miserably inside. And Father, for those that don't have it together, and they're still miserable. I ask you in Jesus' name that you may touch us. Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Jireh. We ask you that you may open the ears and the heart of our understanding that we, Father, can simply preach the word simply. Speak to us now as we're gathered here together collectively in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse Verses 1 through 4. Tonight I want to speak about the doctrine of recompense. Now how many do not know the word recompense? God is watching you. Raise your hand if you do not know. Recompense. Oh, come on. This is the house of God. Don't be lying. If you don't know, say, you know what? I don't know. And just raise your hand. How many don't know? Right on. Thank you. Because if you don't know it, I won't explain it to you. Recompense basically means this, 
that you are going to receive something for what you did. In other words, you don't work for free. You got a paycheck. And at the end, when payday comes, or they call it when the eagle flies on Friday, when you get paid, that's a recompense for all your work. Now, we as a Christian and Christians, we are on a deferred payment plan. The Bible says that God is going to reward us. When you read the end of the book of Revelation, essentially the end of the Bible, Jesus says this, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give to every man shall be according to the work that he has done. There's going to be rewards for what you do. Jesus did not ask you to whom. And so today we're going to learn about this man called Ebed Lemek. Now you say, what? Okay, another show of hands. How many have never heard of Ebed Lemek? Raise your hand. Bam! That's good. I like that. Oh, I love teaching. When people don't know, that's when we come to the house of God. We come because we're disciples. The word disciples means discipulus. That means we're students. I'm still a student. You're a student. If you've been a Christian for 40 years, you say, well, you know, I'm a salty dog. No, you're a student. You can still teach an old dog new tricks. You can never say, well, you know, I came to the place in my life where I got it wired. I got it together. No, you will not. You will get it together when we bury you. That's when you got it together, you'll be with Jesus, and then we get it together. But as long as we're in this body of flesh, this body of death, as long as we're breathing, as long as you guys are thinking, we will always have to be attached to Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says, my life is hidden in Jesus. What do you mean hidden? Are you a coward? No, he's not a coward. He says, I cannot live apart from Jesus. My sins follow me, so I hide next to Jesus under his sovereignty, under his protection, under his salvation, under his grace, under his mercy, under his joy, under his redemption. And that's what it's all about. And thus, Ebed Lemech is a wonderful man who is not even a member of the household of God. He had moral courage. He had the effect of exercising moral powers. Listen to what Jesus said, you and I, in chapter 6 of Matthew. Take heed. The word take heed means watch out, uh, 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 you know, be careful, pay attention. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no what? No reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, uh, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be have glory from the public or from men. I surely I say to you, they have no reward. But, notice the contrast, when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know that what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be seen in what? In secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Now, of course, he's speaking here about giving. We're talking about a society where there are people that are not believers or Christians. A society that I came from. I didn't come to Jesus because Christians were mad at me. I came to Jesus because those Christians were very nice to me. 
they would hug me. And I would smell like vomit. I would smell like wine. I would smell like weed. And they would hug me and they said, God bless you. I say, shut up. God loves you, man. Yeah, well, I know he loves me, man. I don't have a father. I know he loves me. But if he really loves me, how come I'm in poverty? If it really, then I would get all weird and they still say, but you know, you need Jesus. I know Jesus, man. Yeah, well, he died for you. I know he died for me. He said, but do you know him? Yeah, I know him. I call him Chewy. <laughs> now, if you don't understand what that means, you see, Jesus is like Frank, Hank, Henry, Frank. Well, Jesus is Chewy. And so on the street, we'll call him Chewy. Oh, Chewy, please help me out. That's a derogatory way to connect with God. But I was doing it in my ignorance. I did not know Jesus. But the Christian love manifested and expressed by people like you. You see, there are people we don't, we're not going to like in this society. We can walk outside and there are people out there that they just rub you the wrong way. Just right now in our hotel, they're, they're having, what are they having? They're having um, a prom. We got in the elevator, little girls, 14, 15, 16, or whatever they are. I mean, they don't know, they don't know the English language. They do know how to French fry this and fry, fry, French fry, all the F words. And I'm thinking, what is this? And the Lord reminds me, you came from this punch? Oh, I forgot. <laughs> you were just like them. Compared to them, they're classy. I know. <laughs> and I need to be reminded that God changed me. The problem is that sometimes we are transformed so much that we become impervious to what's going on outside. There's so many needs. They need to, they need to see you, an Ebed Lemech, a servant of the king. They need to see that in you. Jesus told us this in Matthew 5.16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light so shine before men. Now what does that mean, let your light? Do you have a lighter? What are we talking about? Jesus is speaking figuratively. Because light in the Bible, and in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew idiom, the word light always meant heaven, God, holiness, forgiveness, cleanliness. Always. The opposite of light is darkness. And again, in the Old Testament, and in Hebrew idiom, and in the culture of the Jews, the word darkness it always emphasizes Chaos, confusion, shelve, um, all these figures of death and desperation where we say there is no light at the end of the tunnel. So when Jesus said, put on your light, he was speaking about putting on the godliness. Now godliness does not mean that you abstain from certain things because you're a Christian. Don't you get tired of Christians when they say, I'm a Christian. I don't drink, I don't dance, I don't smoke. And I said, you're, you don't dance because you're a Christian? Yes. I said, could it be because you don't know how to dance? <laughs> you see, a Christian is not known by what he doesn't do. 
A Christian is also known by what he does. Let people go first. Hold the door for people. Give the benefit of the doubt. You say, oh no, he's a wino. Jesus went to the leopards. Jesus went to the horse. Oh, excuse me. Did I say whore? I'm so sorry. Let's make it soft. A harlot. <laughs> See, when we say harlot, it, it takes, it takes that, that edge off. Oh, rendezvous. <laughs> Ciao. No, prostitutes. Do you understand who Jesus is? He's a man that went and ministered to people. He didn't ask, are you one of us? He went to people that were not like him. Leopards, tax collectors, they were hated because they were Jews working for the Roman government and they were, they were basically taking money from their own people. And they were just getting a cut from everything and they were despised. And yet Jesus said to Simon, one of the tax collectors, hey, let me go to your pad and go chow down with you. Now, that doesn't say that. That's my Bible. <laughs> he said, let me go to your house. So he went to a house. And then they brought in some women of ill repute. And the Pharisees were in the back. If he was a man of God, he, he would know who this is. <laughs> and Jesus said, hey, I'm a doctor. I'm like a doctor. When you go to a doctor, you don't go to a doctor because you're feeling good. You go to a doctor because you're messed up. I did not come to heal people that are good. I come to heal people that are all messed up and all jacked up. And that's the people that we need to reach. Or you can be religious and you can come into the church. You can come into the structure of the church. Kumbaya, hallelujah, YMCA, and you can do all that stuff. And then you go outside and there are people in need. And you become just like the Pharisees where Jesus elevated the Samaritans which they were hated. The Samaritans were hated by the Jews and the Samaritans hated the Jews. It was a centuries old contention. It was political, social, language, foods, religion, ethnicity, racially, economic. It was enmity. And Jesus broke every barrier by speaking to a Samaritan woman. Even the Samaritan woman said, Why are you being a Jew and speaking to me, a woman, and a Samaritan? Why? John says that because there was great enmity between them. And Jesus broke every piety in the Hebrew thought of cleanliness. Because the Samaritans were called dogs. They were called uncircumcised. They were called unclean. A version, a modern version will be mutts. Because they were mixed up. For centuries they were Jews. They were mixed up with all kinds of people. And they felt they were Jews. And they had their own worship. Their own Sabbath. They had, they had their own uh, uh, worth, place of worship. And there was contention. And they would not speak. There was Jews that would travel from Galilee to Judea. To Judea to Galilee. In, in the middle, they had to go through Samaria. But they would go real fast. And hopefully they wouldn't see any Samaritans because they would get ceremoniously unclean by these dogs. Others that were so religious would go around Perea, the region of Perea. Way they would travel like two extra days just to avoid Samaria. No Jew, especially a rabbi, will speak to a woman, especially a Samaritan woman, especially they knew that she was the Elizabeth Taylor of the New Testament. 
And yet Jesus said, give me a drink, woman. Because how are you going to get water? And do you know the conversation? He says to her, if you knew who asked you for water, he will give you water, this living water. And you know the rest. He blew the disciples' mind. They went to go get lunch. By the time they got back, they, the Bible says in John chapter 4, they were looking at the woman and they wanted to ask her, what are you doing here? And they wanted to look at Jesus. They want to ask him, what are you doing? But their out of respect, they said nothing. But the woman went and evangelized everyone in her town, beginning with the men. Because she knew all the men. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. Study your Bible. I'm making that up. The women hated her because she came right at noon. But that's not my, that's not my thing tonight. Turn with me to, to Jeremiah chapter 38. And let's meet this gentleman by the name of Ebed Lemek. You see, Ebed Lemek was not looking for a reward. Again, Jesus, let me remind you. Jesus said, blessed are you when people revive you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you falsely for my namesake. Jesus says, rejoice and be exceeding glad. That's kind of weird. When people revile me and persecute me and they all, and all kinds of trash talking against me. And I have to be rejoicing. Exceedingly rejoicing. Hey, hallelujah. Hey, Christian. Hey, holy roller. Are you really waiting for Jesus next time? Your Jesus ain't coming back. Yes, I rejoice. Yes. Cuss me again. See, that's not in our human heart. Our human response is to get it on. At least that's mine. Maybe not yours. Maybe not here at Calvary Chapel, Albuquerque. But my immediate response is, who are you talking to, dog? What are you messing with? I am a Christian, but don't be stepping on me. I'll slap you right now. But you see, that's not what I do. Like you and I, we know that we are on a deferred payment plan. And I said, one of these days, if you don't come to Jesus, the rapture is going to get us. We go home with Jesus. And I hope I can see you when you're left behind. I can say, bye, sucker. <laughs> That's my flesh. As a pastor, I wish that he would be born again of the Holy Spirit. But in my flesh, you want to respond like that. Jesus said this, For great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What is a reward? Something desirable, giving in return for what somebody has done. A benefit obtained as a result of an action taken or a job well done. If you know the book of Ruth, Ruth was a Moabite. She decided to stick with her mother-in-law, Naomi. She stuck with her. Naomi says, go back. I have no sons for you. You can go back. And she said to her mother-in-law, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Your land will be my land. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lie, I will lie. And she was a dedicated woman to her mother-in-law. Well, they went back home to Bethlehem. And there's a handsome guy by the name of Boaz. And Boaz looked at her and she says, mm. And Ruth looked at him. She goes, mm. And Naomi said, mm-hmm. And Boaz told Ruth this. 
make Jehovah God repay your work and a full reward be given to you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for rest, for refuge. You see this, this, this doctrine of recompense, it, it has a large place in Hebrew thought in the Old Testament and Jesus confirms that by telling you and I, he says there's going to be a prophet's reward. A righteous man's reward. That's Matthew 10, 41, 42. He says, by no means you will lose your reward. He says, love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. Against avarice and greed, he said in Matthew 6, 19, do not lay out for you treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay out for yourself treasures in where? In heaven. The, Jesus in Matthew 19, 21 to the rich young ruler. This is something that, that a lot of people want to have. He's rich, he's young, and he got the hookup. He has everything. Rich, youth, authority. And that's what people crave. I want to have authority. I want to have my youth back. I want to have hair. <laughs> and I also want to have money. He has everything, but he's lacking one thing. What do I lack? He says, obey the commandments. I, I, I've done them, Lord, since I was young. He says, but you still lack one thing. And he told him. He says, he told him this. If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. And the young man sorrowfully said, uh-uh. I want to hold on to my rewards here. Jesus was saying, you don't want to get on the deferred defer payment plan with me? No, I want to enjoy it now. But you won't have anything in heaven. Well, I, I want to have it here on this earth. How long can you live on this earth? 70? 80? Let's say 90. What's 90 years compared to eternity? I'm 54 years old. There was a time where when I was young, I can say, in the future. Who in the future? In the, now, I don't have a future. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like I'm, the, I, if there's a, I'm like in the 10th floor building. I'm in the 9th floor, and the elevator is going up to the 10th floor. <laughs> I look back more than I have in forward now. And I'm thinking, where did those 54 years all went? I still remember looking at the Ozzy and Harriet show. I still remember the Flintstones, the Jetsons. I look at some of the rock stars today. They're all... I, I saw a video clip of the Rolling Stones. Remember, they, they have a song called Time is on my side. And I said out loud, no, you don't. <laughs> Time's not on your side, even though you got those big lips, Mick. It's not on your side. So the young rich ruler decided to keep his rewards. Now, do you know there's going to be rewards in heaven? I'm not doing it. I'm not in ministry because I have a bank account in the celestial bank of Jesus. I'm not doing that. I became a Christian. And I know that I was a slave of darkness. I knew that. When I became a Christian, by choice, I became a slave of the light. By choice. 
I said, Jesus, Satan had me bound for many years. I want to teach you a word that we know in the hood, okay? We know Satan as chamuco. Say it with me, chamuco. See, chamuco is Satan. But I like that name because that defines a chamuco is someone who's lies, slick, and wicked. He connives you. It's almost like crystal meth. Crystal meth, oh, I make you feel good. You forget all your problems. And crystal meth says, oh, come on. That's chamuco calling you. And people hit that madness in crystal meth. Oh, chamuco, you're a friend. And afterwards, you start stealing from your own parents and your own grandma. And you start messing with the community and destroying the community. And Satan has just destroyed another life. Another life that you, Ebed Lemek, can help and intervene by your kindness, by your gentleness, by you being like Ebed Lemek. That you can introduce that individual to Jesus Christ by your kindness. What did Ebed Lemek do? Let's read. And I'll give you the background. We have King Hezekiah. We have some nobles. They're, they're backstabbers. They don't believe in God. They act like they, act, they love God. But they don't believe what Jeremiah is saying. This is the message of Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord. God is coming. He's going to mess you up. That's it. <laughs> However, he says, if you surrender to the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, if you surrender, your soul shall live, you will live. You will build houses, you will build farms, you will build vineyards. And God is going to bring you back, but God has to punish you. That was the message. The noble said, Jeremiah, shut up, you're discouraging the people. You should tell the people to fight against the Babylonians. And Jeremiah says, thus says the Lord, surrender to the Babylonians. That's the message of God. So these men got angry and to shut him up politically and religiously, they put him in a dungeon to die. There was no food. It was horrible situations, deplorable. There was no food, there was no bread. And so they put him in a cistern to die, no food. And here comes this black man from Ethiopia, a non-entity, a nobody. When I asked you, who's Ebed Lemek? Around 90% of you said, I don't know who Ebed Lemek. That's precisely the point. Ebed Lemek is a nobody. Ebed Lemek is a non-entity. Ebed Lemek is a zero. Ebed Lemek doesn't have position. Ebed Lemek is a servant of God. He's a eunuch. He is a black man working for the king. He is not a Jew. He doesn't know the laws of the Jews. He doesn't understand the laws of God. But he had natural law. He had decency when he said, this is not right. And the people that knew what was right and wrong, they were committing a horrific crime against humanity. And this man said, this is not right. So he risked his life for a man that he barely knew. And he went to the king. A eunuch will never go to the king. But he said, there's a man that's dying. And these men that put him in there is not right. Notice verse 1 of chapter 38 of Jeremiah. Are we there? Jeremiah 38. Now, Shepatiah, the son of Matan, Gedaliah, the son of Pashur, you call the son of Shelemaiah, of Pashu, 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 of Makashi. Verse 2. I, I know, I know. Verse 2. Thus says the Lord, 
He who remains in the city shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. But he who goes over to the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, shall live. His life shall be a surprise to him, and he shall live. Thus says the Lord, This city shall surely be given into the hand of the king of Babylon army, which shall take it. Therefore, the princess said to the king, Please, let this man be put to death. For thus he weakens the hands of the men of war who remain in the city, and the hands of all the people by speaking such words to them. For this man, meaning Jeremiah, does not seek the welfare of this people, but their harm. Then said Ekiah, a man who has no resolution, a man who is basically ambivalent, a man who is undecisive, a man who basically has no decision. He lost the will. He just he is just exhausted, fatigued. He cannot make a quality decision. Notice what he says. Then Sedekiah the king said, Look, it's in your hand, for the king can do nothing against you. So they took Jeremiah and they cast him into the dungeon of Malchiah, the king's son, which was in the courts of the prison. And they let Jeremiah down with ropes. And in the dungeon, there was no water but mire or mud. There stinks. So Jeremiah sank in the mire, almost like quicksand. The gases and everything, there's no water, there's no food. And no one can give him bread because no one will know he's there. He's going to die a horrific death. Now notice the instinct. Now Ebed Melech. The Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs who was in the king's house, heard that they had put Jeremiah in the dungeon. And when the king was sitting at the gate of Benjamin, Ebed Melech went out of the king's house and spoke to the king saying, My lord, the king, these men have done evil in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, whom they have cast into the dungeon, and he is likely to die from hunger in the place where he is. For there is no more bread in the city. All of a sudden, here's a man that jumps to the rescue. Who is this man? I share with you the political climate, religious climate in, in, in Jerusalem is horrific. It's so bad. I can only give you one scripture because time is not on my side. <laughs> All I can tell you, Ezekiel 22.9 says, Jerusalem... In you are men who slander to cause bloodshed. In you, Jerusalem, are those who eat on the mountains. In your midst, they commit lewdness. In you, men uncover their father's nakedness. In you, they violate women who are set apart during their impurity. One commits abomination with his neighbor's wife. Another lewdly defiles his daughter-in-law. And another in you violates his sister, his father's daughter. That's how bad it was. We're not speaking economic, agriculturally, socially. We're talking about a moral breakdown. That's why the judgment is coming. And Abed Lamech, a man who is not basically a man that understands the things of God. You see, Abed Lamech externally, externally, Abed Lamech. It means a servant of a king. He's an Ethiopian. He's a heathen. And one of the despicable type of that time. Because eunuchs or eastern eunuchs were known as cruel and pitiless race. But they were royal servants and they were usually in a godless company. He was an Ethiopian. That man, he's an, a black African slave in the service of the king. He was an alien, not only to the commonwealth of Israel. He was an alien. He was not one of the Jewish people. He was very different. He was also a eunuch. A eunuch was a man deprived of his genitalia. He couldn't have intimate relationship, let alone become a father. Now, Jesus spoke about eunuchs. 
He said, there are eunuchs that are born, there are eunuchs that are made, and there are eunuchs that make themselves eunuchs for the sake of God. What did he mean by that? He meant some eunuchs are born congenitally without a genitalia. And that happens. That's much today. He says, but others are made by men like Ebed Lamech. And he says, and others make themselves eunuchs. What does that mean? It is the gift of God. It is the gift of celibacy. If you are a man and you're not married and you're always thinking about the opposite sex, you don't have the gift. <laughs> and ladies, if you're always thinking, when is I'm going to get married, I'm going to have children, you too don't have the gift. You just can't make an oath, uh, make an oath to become celibate. It doesn't work. A celibacy has to be given by God. I know plenty of eunuchs in the kingdom of God. I met missionary ladies who are not interested in men. They're interested only in the gospel. And they say, Jesus is my husband. And I know men who do not have any relationships. He says, the kingdom of God is for me. And I work for God. And I'm not interested in anybody. They say, they say I would be a bachelor to the rapture. Okay. For me, I thank God I don't have that gift. Uh, we have five children. Thank you very much. I, 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 I thank God I'm not a eunuch. But this man is a eunuch. Leviticus 21.10 prohibited eunuchs from worshiping God. So this guy was a flunky. He was a non-entity. But on the plus side, eunuchs were regarded especially trustworthy in the ancient Near East, like Ebed Lamech. That's the external. You see, you cannot judge people on the external. And that's what the Bible says. God does not judge on the eternal. He told Jesse the Bethlehemite, forgive me Samuel, as he went to the house of Jesse. Because you know, Jesse was a son, was a father of seven sons. And the, 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 the prophet Samuel was to anoint the next king of Israel. And so he went with a ram's horn full of oil. And he saw the first guy, the first son, the specimen of just GQ'd out. He comes out, he's handsome. And Samuel said, ooh, he has straight teeth. He has one blue eye, one gray eye. He's six foot one. He has hair all over. That guy just came out of gold's gym. And Samuel said, this is the one. Because he saw on the outside. And God rebuked Samuel as he ought to rebuke us too. God says, God is not like man. God does not look on the external. But he looks inside the what? The heart. We ought to learn that lesson. When we see people outside, you cannot say as a Christian, they're not one of us. They're not from Calvary. We have a difference of opinion. They live on the other side of the tracks. He's bald-headed. You know those bald-headed guys. Be careful. You're a Christian. You're a Christian. We have a mandate by, by God to love our enemies. He elevated the Samaritan by explaining about the good Samaritan. Jesus elevated it. And through Jesus Christ, the Bible says that Jesus Christ, Ephesians chapter 2, that he broke the barriers that separated us, ethnicity, race, language, and foods. As a Christian, there are no more barriers. So there should be more barriers. They should not. Ebed Lamech that was not going to help Jeremiah because he says, Oh, if I help the God of the Jews, I'm going to get something back. No. 
He had moral law. You see the internal. Although a heathen, he risked his life to save the man of God. This man had moral fiber. He had noble character. Among the lessons to be gleaned from the narrative of this eunuch, of this non-entity, is that he was superior in resolution to his surroundings and superiors. He was a man of probity. That's an English word I learned around two years ago. Probity. That means decency, integrity, and goodness. Upstairs in the green room as I'm, I'm studying, I saw a quarter. It fell out of someone's pocket. It's a quarter. Blessed Eve. Hey. Finders, what is it? Losers, weepers, finders, keepers. I got it. And I said, you're studying about probity. Okay, I put it back. It's still upstairs on the table. And I'm thinking, I wonder if the guys have a videotape. You know what? Checking me. <laughs> so I thought about that. I go, oh, no. So I said it real loud. This doesn't belong to me. <laughs> Praise Jesus. <laughs> Ebed Lemek was more pretentious. He put more pretentious people to shame. He had the courage of his convictions and acted upon them. He achieved a great service with poor instruments, old rags and cords. His faith, his own faith in the Jewish God was basically, I believe, was the secret of his noble life. Because Jeremiah was a well-known figure. No doubt he heard Jeremiah. He's there in the king's presence. Jeremiah spoke to the king left and right, left and right, left and right. And there, there, is, there is the eunuch, just not keeping quiet. He's playing mental ping pong with the king. The king says one thing and Jeremiah says another. And no doubt in his heart says, man, Jeremiah is not talking trash. He's, I understand him. I don't understand why this king doesn't understand him. So when they put Jeremiah, he asked the king. He risked his life to go in the presence of the king. And he says, it's not right. So the king says, go do whatever you do. Get 33 men. And it says here, 33 men. Notice verse 10. Then the king commanded Ebed Lemek. The Ethiopian saying, take from him 30 men with you and live Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon before, the, before he dies. Some commentator says, well, according to some ancient transcripts, uh, uh, ancient uh, scriptures, it says only three men. Others say 33. For me, they're 33. You know why? If he, who is Ebed Lamech? He's a eunuch. Hey, I'm going to help Jeremiah. I got three guys with me. When he has 33... He has a whole posse. And he says, we're taking Jeremiah out. Who says? All of us. Right here. And we're going to take him out. They took him out. That was the end of that. The Babylonians come and they obliterate Jerusalem. The temple, the people, everybody. Ebed-Lemek is about his business. Remember I was telling you about the deferred payment plan? Go to chapter 39 and we close with that. Verse 11 of 39. Nebuchadnezzar now is a ruler of Israel. Now Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, gave charge concerning Jeremiah to Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, saying, take him and look after him and do him no harm, but do to him just as he says to you. So Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, sent Nebuchadnezzar, and all the king of Babylon's chief officers. Verse 14. Then they sent someone to take Jeremiah from the court of the prison and committed him to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, that he should take him home. So he dwelt among the people. So they let Jeremiah go. Now, the Bible says in verse 15, Meanwhile, 
The word of the Lord had come to Jeremiah while he was shut up in the court for the prison saying, Go and speak to Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring my words upon this day for adversity and not for good, and they shall be performed in the day before you. But I will deliver you in that day, says the Lord, and you shall not be giving into the hand of the man of whom you are afraid. For I, God, will surely deliver you, and you shall not fall by the sword, but your life shall be a surprise to you, because you have put your trust in me, says the Lord. Recompense. The Bible says, do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap. You're a Christian, you're going to go out these doors, and you're going to meet a lot of people, man, that you wish you can slap around. Get it together, you little hoodlums. This loitering here, you glue sniffers, you, you foul drinking dogs. Be a man and woman of probity integrity. Put on your light. All you have to do is do what is right. Defend the poor. Defend the widow. Defend the fatherless. Defend those that cannot defend themselves. And give them drink, give them food. The world will look at you like a total, total idiot. But in the eyes of God, he says, by no means you will lose your reward when you give water to one of these little ones. We are on deferred payment plan. One of these days... Payday's coming. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. Listen, I'm not one for dramatics. <laughs> or maybe I am. But listen, if you're here tonight, whether you're upstairs or right here, if you have never received the Lord, never, you hear, God brought you here. You said, no, man, my, my buddies brought me here. No. God use your friends so that you can hear that God loves you. God does not want anyone to perish, but they all come to repentance and eternal life. Like the Samaritan woman. Why are you speaking to me? As Jesus said, I did not come to heal those that are well. I come to heal those that are sick. Oh, messed up. If you don't have Jesus in your heart, spiritually, not only are you sick, you're dead. But tonight can be your night. If you want to receive Jesus Christ, I'm going to invite the worship band, even if they're not here on time. If you want to receive Jesus, you come up right now, whoever you are, just get out of your seat and come and join me here. I'll pray with you. Tonight is the night. Tonight is the day of salvation. How about it? Just come, whoever you are. Just come. We'll wait for you. Amen. Just come, whoever you are, by yourself, with someone your wife, your husband, senior citizens. Listen, if you're a grandma and a grandpa, not only do you leave a legacy, but grandma, grandpa, once you come to Jesus Christ, your whole clan will follow you because you made a decision for Jesus. So, as we sing this song, you want to receive the Lord? Just step. I'll wait for you right here. You want to come? You come. I'll wait for you here. I literally will wait for you. Hey